Well, good morning. We are two weeks away from Thanksgiving, which means we're just around the corner from our 75th anniversary. Uh, we hope you'll come and join us, especially if you're local at 611 King Street West for our one worship gathering. We're hosting Dr. Wayne Hillsden and his wife Anne from Jerusalem. There'll be some inflatable um, jumping castles and some fun experiences for the kids. We even have an obstacle race for the um, an inflatable obstacle race for the adults. We've got food trucks and it's going to be a wonderful celebration of God's faithfulness. And we'll look back with gratitude and look forward with a sense of optimism and uh, faith-filled courage as we consider what God has for us next. So I hope you'll come and join us. You can register online at kingstreet.org. Again, that's Sunday, October the 10th at 10.30 a.m. for our 75th anniversary. So we're continuing our series of scripture talks that we started a couple of weeks ago called Decisions, Decisions. And if you were with us previously, you'll know that we talked about um, the importance of making good decisions and how reading scripture consistently and listening for the prompting of the spirit and then staying connected to the people of God is such an important series of factors that influence our good decision making. And then last week we talked about what to do after making a poor decision. And we started with what not to do, which is uh, from Genesis chapter 3, we don't want to allow fear and shame to keep us from God after we've made a poor decision. And uh, we don't want to uh, blame and avoid taking personal responsibility when we have made a poor decision. So today what we're going to do is talk about um, what it looks like for us to respond well um, to the hurtful decisions of others. And uh, you and I don't have the capacity to control what other people do. And so uh, unfortunately, there are times other people exercise their freedom and they end up uh, making a decision that unfortunately hurts us. And so how do we respond when people have made decisions, whether it be that they step out of an important relationship or whether it's something in the workplace or uh, whether it's um, a decision our kids make, um, People exercise their free will and they make decisions and choices. And uh, sometimes we don't always agree with what they do. And then in other uh, circumstances, the decisions they make actually really wound us. And so we're going to take a look at um, Joseph in the Older Testament and how he was uh, someone who um, experienced his own wounds and pain. Um, and how he responded. And there's some important life lessons there for us. And so um, if you've missed any of the previous weeks, you can find uh, the recorded talks on our YouTube channel, or you can go to kingstreet.org and take the podcast with you on the road if you're out and about during the week. So responding to the hurtful decisions of others. Our passage to ponder that we've been taking with us is from Proverbs chapter 19, verses 2 and 3. There are three important principles in there that we've been recounting each week. And the passage goes like this. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. And so we got to remember that we probably should not make important uh, life decisions when we are either at an extreme high or an extreme low, when emotions are um, moving to the polar sides of our experience. We want to make decisions when there is a measure of um, equilibrity, I guess. Is that the right term? An equilibrium to our emotions. And um, so we, we want to be careful that we don't make emotionally charged decisions. We want to make it when we are, um, again, not being emotionally driven. And then we want to be careful 
careful that we're not being pushed or pressured to make a decision prematurely. So we don't want to rush and be hasty in our decision making. There's not always a lot of wisdom when that happens. And then when we do make a misstep, like we talked about last week, we don't blame God for it. We take personal responsibility. And uh, so uh, it's unfortunate that oftentimes we've made decisions that haven't turned out well. And then we turn around and we blame somebody else for it. And unfortunately, God is often the one that we blame. So that proverb cautions us to, uh, again, be wise in our decision-making regarding those three principles. Um, as we consider uh, how to respond well in the face of other people's decisions that have hurt us personally, uh, two foundational thoughts for us to keep in front of, front of mind as we move through this teaching. The first one is we need to respect the autonomy of other people. Um, other people have been given a circle of freedom that they get to exercise, and you and I don't have the capacity to control what they do. Um, people who study human behavior talk about uh, how, unfortunately, when we have healthy boundaries in our lives, um, those boundaries can sometimes be disturbed by the behaviors of others. Uh, sometimes we, we, they call it either um, being blocked or being controlled where we reach out for relationship and somebody blocks us and they don't allow us to connect with them. And it's such an important part of our humanity is to actually connect relationally. And when we're prevented from doing that, we feel blocked and diminished. And then the other side of the equation is when we are exercising the freedom within our circle of control, but somebody else overreaches and they step into our circle and they prevent us from being um, uh, autonomous or exercising our own autonomy. And people don't thrive when they feel controlled. And so uh, we need to recognize again that we should respect the autonomy of others and our own um, circle of freedom should be respected as well. And then secondly, we need to prioritize the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus. And so um, even in the face of our poor decision-making, we can come back and say, what does it look like for me in the face of my poor decision to actually come under the leadership of Jesus and allow him to rule and reign in this set of circumstances that I now find myself in? And also when somebody else exercises their own freedom and they make a decision that we wouldn't have made, or it unfortunately hurts us and wounds us in some way, what does it look like for us in the middle of a wounded set of circumstances to actually bring our life to Jesus and say, I want you to rule and reign over me in the middle of this. And uh, we don't um, have control over what other people will do. And they'll exercise their freedom and then we're left with a, a certain set of circumstances. And uh, we say to Jesus, come and lead me and guide me and teach me how to uh, surrender to your will in the middle of this very difficult set of circumstances. And uh, again, Jesus reminded us that we should seek first his kingdom, his rule and reign and his righteousness and all the other things that concern us about our life in this world. They'll, they'll look after themselves. And uh, so we can just truly settle down and be safe in that invitation of Jesus to uh, prioritize his rule and reign in our lives, even when things don't go according to our plan. So this morning, um, it is unfortunately, what we're gonna deal with is the disappointment of being hurt by others, the need for us to adjust our perspective when that happens, and then for us to exercise forgiveness in order to move towards wholeness. And um, so that, those will be the three movements today about recognizing our disappointments when we're hurt, adjusting our perspective when that happens, and then again, making friends with the call or the invitation to forgive others. We're going to take a look at Joseph and uh, the Old Testament uh, story uh, in Genesis chapters 36 through to chapter 50. It's a pretty powerful story that most of us can identify with to some degree. And um, his experience of um, disappointment and hurt was so tangible and so real. And for many of us, we would be incredibly devastated by what he experienced. Uh, 
So um, for us today, it's disappointing, but it's true. People hurt people. Uh, this is the nature of life. We cannot escape being wounded by others. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes it's deliberate. Uh, but people tend to, when they dance together, sometimes step on one another's feet. And uh, they get the rhythm wrong, so to speak. And uh, sometimes when someone steps on your toes, it can be hurtful. And uh, so people do hurt people. And as Joseph did, um, we will also experience tremendous, or we can experience tremendous disloyalty and betrayal. Uh, the backstory of Joseph's life is that he was uh, one of two beloved sons. His brother Benjamin and himself, Joseph, were deeply loved by their father, Jacob. Um, Jacob had a special relationship with their mother, and uh, it was a, um, a relationship of favoritism, we could call it. And the other 10 brothers, um, they looked at Joseph and Benjamin through a lens of jealousy. And specific in the story of Genesis chapter 37, we discover that um, the brothers were driven by jealousy. And um, some of the most painful wounds that can happen from within, um, they happen from a family context. Um, the root word for family actually is um, connected to this concept of familiar. And so it's unfortunate, but the ones that we are most familiar with are the ones that we wound most easily or the ones who wound us most, uh, most easily. So uh, before we even get to our first uh, passage to look at today, we need to understand that the Bible is a story of humans um, who struggle to figure out how to make life work and to understand where God is and what he's up to in the world. And it's a story of a collection of stories of flawed human beings who are often people of faith and uh, try to figure out again um, how to make life work. So in Genesis 37 verses 18 to 20, we pick up the story where Joseph's brothers exercised disloyalty and betrayal. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal had eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. And so Joseph had all of these dreams that were very prophetic, in fact, that came to pass at the end of the Genesis story. Uh, but Joseph's brothers took a um, deliberate, intentional plan to um, harm their brother. And um, this is a deeply painful experience. Sometimes people plot evil. And the Bible says it's a terrible thing. It's one of the seven things that God hates. And um, sometimes it gains momentum in people's lives. And uh, the wounds that can happen when somebody is deliberate uh, to wound can be uh, very hurtful and very hard to process. Um, and this is the case of Joseph with his brothers. They plotted evil and destruction against Joseph. And so um, as Joseph did, we can experience tremendous disloyalty and betrayal. And if you've ever experienced it, it can be a very painful thing to process. Also, we can be slandered falsely. Uh, the story of Joseph is that he gets sold into the hands of some um, traders who are moving by the scene in God's providence. And they purchase Joseph and they take him off to a faraway land. And he ends up in the home of Potiphar. And uh, he's promoted throughout the story. You'll hear over and over again in the story of Joseph that God was with him. God was with him. God was with him over and over again. And God was with Joseph when he was in Potiphar's household. And he was promoted. And he was given command over all of the affairs of Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife took a keen attraction to Joseph. And there's this story where she, um, again, propositioned him. But Joseph is a, is a man of integrity. And he refuses her overtures over and over again. And um, 
Potiphar's wife doesn't take kindly to the um, turn down offer that she makes to Joseph. And uh, so she fabricates a story and she slanders him. And uh, sometimes people can hurt us because they feel rejected or embarrassed. And there can be all sorts of reasons why they take to the task that they take to, to offer up um, some pain or at least send some pain our direction. Let's pick up the story in Genesis 39, beginning at verse 10. So this is Potiphar's wife. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. This was a man of integrity. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore away, tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. And then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you've brought into the house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Um, slanderous accusations are not always true. Uh, in fact, sometimes in our culture, unfortunately, we're at a time in history where the moment somebody makes an accusation, we assume that the person is guilty and until proven innocent. When in previous times in history, we assume that somebody was innocent until proven guilty. And so in this situation, Joseph is a man of great integrity. He's done no harm to Potiphar's wife. And here's Potiphar's wife making an untrue accusation against Joseph. And so it can be a terrible thing when somebody is slandered, when lies are, um, are pushed onto somebody, and the believing world around them actually buys the story. And so the rest of the backstory for this is that actually Joseph ends up in prison. And uh, again, God was with him over and over again in the story, God was with Joseph and he gets promoted even within the prison system where he finds himself. He eventually ends up uh, interpreting some dreams as God enables him. And there is a baker and there is a cupbearer to Pharaoh and they have disturbing dreams in the night and Joseph interprets them, and we'll pick up the story in just a moment. But sometimes we can experience pain because we can be forgotten by people and even people that we've helped. And so um, in verse 20 of chapter 40, the book of Genesis, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later after, again, Joseph had interpreted the dreams, and he prepared a banquet for all of his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the, the other officials. And in verse 23, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And so Joseph spent even more time in the prison because after he helped somebody, he was forgotten by that same person. And so for us, it may be that we have experienced, um, as Joseph did, tremendous disloyalty and betrayal. Or it may be that we've been slandered falsely as Joseph was, or it may be that just we've been forgotten or overlooked. All of these are experiences of pain. And so unfortunately, people hurt people. This is the story of the human experience. And so uh, secondly, we need to talk not just about how people hurt people because that happens. We've been hurt by people, we hurt people, but we also need to adjust our perspective in the face of the hurt we experience. Uh, if we're gonna respond well, we need to make sure that we adjust our perspective. Our perspective matters. Um, as you know, if you've been around King Street a little while, I love dogs and uh, our dog is 15 and a half years old. He's slowing down. 
He's a wonderful uh, um, cocker spaniel poodle. He's a cockapoo, wonderful dog. Um, but he doesn't like the vacuum. And just the other day, I was vacuuming the kitchen, and um, uh, he he sees the light, he sees the no hears the noise, he sees the movement, and he doesn't like the hose that's around uh, by the living room area. And he barks at the vacuum and kind of runs away from it. And I talk to my dog. Some of you talk to your plants. I talk to my dog, and I said to my dog, I said, Chase, never forget whose hand is on the vacuum. Uh, he might be afraid and he might be disturbed or intimidated by the noises and the sounds and the movement and all of that. But at the end of the day, as long as he realizes that his master has his hand on the vacuum, he doesn't have to be afraid because the last thing in the world I'd ever do is to hurt my dog with a vacuum. Um, this analogy can break down because we can trust God who is our master. Uh, sometimes it's the people in our lives who exercise um, hurtful decisions that wound us personally. And, um, but again, our perspective needs to be um, the kind of perspective that actually makes space for God's sovereignty and God's providence. Um, an important perspective for us to always remember is that Jesus is king and that God is over his good creation, even the decisions of others. Not that they're always sanctioned by God, but that he is redemptive and he uses them and he brings good from them. And Joseph understood this after he had been betrayed, after he had ended up spending time in a prison, he was promoted to be the right hand or the right arm of Pharaoh. And he was actually instrumental in being used by God, having insight from his dreams that God had given to him to help actually preserve and the saving of many lives. At the end of the story, a powerful, powerful expression of a um, human being who allowed God and his kingdom to come and to occupy more and more space in his life he speaks to his brothers who are afraid of retribution. And here's what Joseph says. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, isn't this very much the reply of God for us? Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, he says, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. The poor decisions of others that cost him dearly was received eventually with kindness, with a perspective that had been informed by God, that God who takes the worst decisions of others and brings good from them. This was where Joseph anchored his heart with a good, healthy perspective about how God works. Um, it's helpful to remember what I've called the four P's. And a little shout out to James Clausen, who's part of our church family, who helped shape these with me when we were out on a walk. And um, when we have experiences in our life that are less than ideal, uh, when other people exercise the circle of their freedom and when they choose, unfortunately, we're impacted negatively and in a hurtful way. We do well to remember these four P's that in the midst of unwanted circumstances and situations, God is either protecting us from something, providing for us in some way, preparing us for something in the future, and he is always present with us, just as we read about in the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 to 50. And so um, it's not always easy to adjust our perspective so that we catch that kind of um, view or vantage point but if we could get there sooner than later, it would save us um, 
from responding poorly and maybe complicating matters for ourselves and with others. So people hurt one another. Our perspective needs to be mature, wise, and God-informed. And then finally, if we're going to respond well to hurtful decisions of others, we will need to choose forgiveness and restoration because it moves us and others toward wholeness. This is the only way forward if we're gonna pursue wholeness, it requires forgiveness and restoration. And so uh, Joseph realizes the futility of retaliation. I really wish the human family could grab a hold of this, that retaliation never solves anything. Um, you know, we talk about restorative justice. Um, sometimes there ought to be consequences for certain behaviors, but we always have our eye on what it means to restore a person or a community. Uh, restorative justice is a beautiful idea. Um, as Gandhi has said, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind, and it's so true. The only way to balance the ledger is to cancel debts. Um, when people owe us, because forgiveness is a financial term, when people owe us something, uh, we can either demand payment or we can cancel the debt. Forgiveness is about canceling the debt. And it's a beautiful way of moving towards wholeness personally and restoring others. Jesus reveals the heart of God for us uh, by offering forgiveness. He's pinned on the cross for crimes he never committed, slandered, and accused of things he's never done. And he offers forgiveness. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He actually cancels our sins for us. A beautiful gesture of forgiveness. We could never ever pay God back for our transgressions. Uh, scripture teaches that the soul that sins will surely die. And so um, it's only by us literally giving up our life that we could satisfy the penalty of our own sin. And so Jesus goes there and he cancels our transgressions and sins, a beautiful picture for us of how we ought to relate with one another. As Paul writes in Colossians, as we too have been forgiven, we ought to forgive our brothers and sisters. And then finally, just before I offer a prayer for you, Paul reminds us that spiritually mature people restore others. Uh, there's this wonderful passage in Galatians chapter six, verse one, it says this, dear brothers and sisters, and that's what we are, a family. If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, or it says in some passages, you who are spiritual, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. I love that. And so the spiritually mature among us are not the people who step outside the boundaries of their own free will to overreach and to control others. We actually stay within the circle of our freedom and uh, we lovingly support and we lovingly restore and we graciously offer kind words of restorative love to those who have failed or those who have struggled in some way. Uh, it's unfortunate when those on the outside of the church community perceive us to be a community of judgmental people. In fact, our Lord Jesus was so not that way. And those who follow him ought not to be that way either. And so um, the only way forward towards wholeness is to learn what it means to uh, offer forgiveness and to be an agent in the kingdom of God who offers others a kind and generous lift when they have tripped up, stumbled, and fallen. So Lord, thank you today again for your grace and your mercy and for all the ways that you provide for us. I pray God again today that you would help us to understand that um, people hurt people and sometimes we've been the ones doing the hurting and sometimes we've been the ones who have been hurt. I pray God that you would help us to understand um, what a healthy perspective looks like when circumstances come our way or situations um, present themselves to us that are not of our choosing. 
Um, Lord, help us to be the kinds of people who offer up forgiveness and restoration so that we can personally and help others move towards wholeness. So God, we love you. Help us not to be tripped up in our offenses, but instead help us to um, learn to rise above them and to gain the kind of perspective that's a kingdom perspective, that Jesus is working in all things, restoring and redeeming and building his church, and we get to be a part of it. So bless each and every one of my friends today as we make decisions, give us the wisdom of Christ, and help us to decide always in a way that would please you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.